Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, this is Mark Homer for Mark My Words. I've got a, a really interesting guest here today. Um, Quentin Wilson's joining me. Um, as a lad, I used to, to watch Top Gear. Um, it would have been my favorite program, actually. You know, I, as soon as there was a new car coming out, or especially if there was a supercar, I'd, um, I'd sort of sit there on the edge of the sofa uh, as a teenager. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I certainly, Grew up to, to, to realise that Quentin was one of the suave and more, more diligent of the three presenters. Well, certainly more than Jeremy Clarkson anyway. So I, I thought it would be great to get together, uh, Quentin, to get your view of the classic car market. I love investment. I love investing in, in property, clearly. You know, I'd, I'd done a whole load of, of, of property investing podcasts and courses and, and books. Done some on watches as well. Uh, I think people have got some value out of that. And I thought it would be valuable to sort of get your view of the classic car market and get some some ideas and, and, and some sort of concepts that people could cement in their mind, um, you know, to, 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 to sort of start owning classic cars for not much money or, or maybe for free, which is certainly the way I like to uh, sort of operate, operate my life. Um, so, Quentin, welcome. Thank you. So what was it like being on Top Gear? T tell us what those days were, were, were about. They were lovely. They were crazy. They were mad. And we did change the world in the, in the sense that, you know, Clarkson, for all his faults, made cars more interesting because that was the era of really, really dull cars like the mm. Toyota Corolla, which was a <laughs> cure for insomnia. Um, and, and we would give the manufacturers a really hard time and say, look, make these cars more interesting. Make them more, more passionate and, 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 and sexier. But I did the sensible stuff. And he always used to say, oh, your stuff is very boring and sensible. Nobody wants to know about money or making money. You know, they just want to drive the pants off these cars. But I would nominate kind of every week a, a bargain, uh, be it a Porsche 928 or a 911 or a Ferrari uh, 456. And then dealers would ring up the BBC and say, right, what's it going to do this week? And it became top gear on Thursday, top price on Friday, because they'd go out and they'd buy all these cars, and then they'd they'd, they'd do the the prices up. So it was it was great, and it's a kind of talent I've I've got, and I don't know where really it comes from, but I'm able to spot cars that are able to go up in value, and it's really really good. And I I, I write for a magazine called Classic Cars, um, and I have a, a page devoted to smart buys every month. And if you'd followed my advice over the last five years, and bought one example of every car I tipped, you would have made 1.7 million profit because they pretty go impressive. up. Yeah. Um, and With no capital gains tax. No, that's the great thing about classic cars, Mark. There mm. is no, no capital gains tax because HMRC calls them a wasting asset in the sense that, you know, they, they rust and you have to replace bits and, and they go wrong and, 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 and they're old. So that's great. As long as you don't sell, you know, 10 a year, mm. then you become a dealer. You can buy a classic car you can own it um, and then sell it. And if you make 100%, 200%, sometimes more than that, it's tax-free, which is great. And that's driven the market. Fabulous. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting my, my taste buds are, uh, are starting to, to work already. So I know that you've been sort of 
talking a lot about affordable classics and talking about how the market is changing in 2018. Certainly at the high end, I think they've come off a little bit. And yeah. I, I've been watching the market myself. The really sexy sort of stuff with great history or provenance um, has, has started to drop a bit. But I think in that sort of mid mid bracket, if it's well presented and a nicely, you know, a sort of good classic that a lot of people want. Do you, do you think that that market is still doing quite well? And, and, and sort of where do you think it's headed? It's gone soft. Um... It was it was it peaked at sort of 2014 2015 where where dealers really did ramp up prices and auction houses were getting like two hundred thousand pounds for testarossas and a uh, hundred for four five sixes and things and Porsches were going up literally by the week and everybody just piled in. It slipped back um, because you know 2016 2017 financially haven't been brilliant so it's just cooled down. Um, there's nothing to panic about. We're seeing a reduction in prices, but there's still demand out there. There's still loads and loads of people who are buying classic cars. Um, if you look at the figures, there's it's five billion quid's worth of economic activity in the UK, and it employs maybe sixty thousand people. So there's a lot of lot of lot of money, and it's about alternative investments, isn't it? This is why people are buying classic cars because stocks and shares have fallen out of favour. ICEs aren't very interesting. You can drive um, a Porsche, a Ferrari, a Maserati, a Facel Vega, enjoy it, be the envy of everybody, and make money. And what, what, how good is that? Well, you know? it's amazing. It is. And yeah. it's tax-free yeah. profit. Even if you own it for nothing um, and get your money back, that's great as well. So we're talking free classic cars. And you're right about provenance. Um, get, get, get something that's got the history, that's nice, that's... I mean, I was just parking the car um, a, a moment ago, and there's a man there with a Corsair with 8,000 miles from new. This lovely old bloke who bought it five years ago for five grand. That car's worth £50,000. Mm. <laughs> and I told him and he nearly fell down. 8,000 miles from new. Brilliant. Still with the running in sticker yeah. on the back window. And cars like that are around. So it, it, the affordable stuff is, is very interesting at the moment because, um, you know, like the man with the Corsair, um, I've got a friend who bought on eBay um, a, a Mark I Ford Escort 1300 which is a very humble two-door car that cost 666 quid in 1967. But he knew that it was a very early car, a pre-production car with an early chassis number. So he bought it over the phone on eBay and then he takes it down to the restorer to have it, have it restored. And a guy comes in from the Ford Owners Club and says, no, stop, I'll give you 50,000 pounds for that right now. So there you are, you can make 40,000 pounds tax-free just by going on eBay, but you've got to know your stuff and this is the big um, caveat I would say with classic cars is you can't just steam in and hope to make money you've got to know and that means you know looking on the internet reading books understanding about what makes a particular car or model or even year desirable and what doesn't so don't kid yourself that anybody can do it you do need to know what you're doing but isn't that the caveat with with any sort of investment Completely. um Completely. you know i find that with with property on a sort of weekly basis you know i'm i'm looking at i don't know commercial buildings which i want to convert into into apartments or, or into sort of cluster flats or i i might be looking at houses and, and portfolios and sort of someone will come along and say oh well you, you say property is a good investment but I bought this and I bought it in the year you said and I've, I've lost money. 
because maybe they hadn't sort of researched enough. They hadn't gone deep. They, had, they didn't really know their stuff. Um, and whether it's watches, cars, um, God, you, you can invest in, in stamps. I mean, you know, wine, all of it is about knowledge, isn't it? Completely. It's, expertise and do what you know. I mean, wine, uh, you know, I've got a vineyard in France. Wine would be the last thing I would invest in mm. because it's so complicated and difficult and you think you know a lot about it and there's some Frenchman down the road who knows more than it is possible mm. to know. So really it's very important to stick to what you know, stick to what you're passionate about too because if you're passionate, you tend to absorb the knowledge much more mm. automatically, don't you? I mean, you're clearly passionate about cars and watches and you're just... I mean, it makes us sound very sad, but we just read stuff about mm. old Rolex watches and, and old Ferraris and things like that, and it just goes in by osmosis. Mm. And then you've got that bedrock of knowledge and you can make those instant decisions. And before I came here today, I thought, now look, I, I, I mustn't oversell this. I must make sure that what I'm saying is possible and anybody can do it. So I went on a certain um, online auction site and had a look uh, on classic cars and instantly I see one that I think, hmm, that's got possibilities. And it was an old Ford Cortina. Again, it's a very early car, made before they were officially launched. It's, it's there, it's, it's shabby, but it's only done 17,000 miles. It needs a good old cleanup. And it's only about 5,000 quid. And I think that car's probably worth 15. And if I wasn't talking to you today, Mark, I would be in the car going to buy that old Ford Cortina. So you can do it. Anybody can do this as long as you know. So that car is about 5,000 pounds? 5,000 quid, yeah. About 5,000 quid. And I guess it will go in the auction, start getting bid up. Yep. Someone could get hold of that and they'd need to do some restoration work. Well, the irony with classic cars is people like barn finds. They mm. like the dust, they like the dirt, they like <laughs> the, 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 the bird's nest in the boot because it, it, it's never been touched, it's virgin, yeah. it's, it's got so many possibilities. So what you would do with that car is just pump the tyres up, mm -hmm. lightly refresh it, but don't take away that patina because patina is what sells. We, alternative investments are, whether it's cars, watches, houses, uh, if it's old, rare, special, and made in, in tiny, tiny numbers, it will always be worth money. So don't take away that age, don't take away that antiquity. If you buy a, a, a classic car, you can look at the seats and their seats are all kind of crumpled and worn and, and creased. And some people, particularly the Americans, like to restore it all mm. and take away all that life and all that humanity and all that history. That's America, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a bit, yeah. Um, but we in the UK, we leave that and we have special people who will you know, keep, keep the seat looking lovely, but keep the creases, keep the pattern and keep the antiquity. And these are things you've got to know. You've got to know what the market likes and what, the doesn't, what it doesn't like. And it's like property. If it's not exactly the right location, if it, if it hasn't got curbside appeal, if it hasn't got rental appeal, things like that, it won't sell. And you, you can do money, but it, it's about knowledge. I think there's a bit of instinct to it as well. Some people are good at this. Get um, a feel. Yeah, mm. it's a feel. And, and I remember I bought a house um, in London 10 years ago, a little muse house near Park Lane. And I bought it because it was near Park Lane. And it, it, it wasn't, you know, mad, mad prices. And it was a cobbled muse. And when the, the surveyor came around, he said, I cannot believe how much they are asking for this three-bedroom mm. muse house. Yeah. But I just knew that in two minutes, I'm in Belgravia and Mayfair. Yeah. And in one minute, I'm in Hyde Park. Mm. So I bought it, and I'm so glad I did, because mm. it's now three times what I paid for it. What, what year did you buy it? Ten years ago. Yeah. And That's I mean, phenomenal. You know, yeah. and it's, it, it's still great, and I use it as my London base, simply because I had the gut instinct that there's no way I could afford the, 
bird 10 or 15 million for a house you know, two minutes away in, in, mm. in Mayfair. But here it was on a road with no traffic, tucked away in a quiet muse, uh, just off the Bayswater Road near Park Lane. Because I think you, you've also touched on something there. I mean, you, you've, timing is very, mm. very important. You bought that in 08, yep. um, 10 years ago. You know, move into the, certainly the property market in 08 when the wheels were coming off. You know, Mayfair's the epicenter. Um, and, and sort of 08, I remember nine and 10, you know, it, it was just, we were cleaning up and it was brilliant. And you've pounced at the right time there. But here's the thing, Mark, it was down, yeah. but prices were still high. Yeah. And well, they I was waiting. adjusted. Yeah, I was yeah. waiting for it to yeah. collapse even yeah. more. Yeah. And my wife said, oh, come on, don't put it off. This thing will never go down in value because of its location. So I took a deep breath and bought it. And it didn't go down. It carried on going up. So, mm. you know, it, again, it's that instinct. Um, and, and the timing thing is absolutely right, be it cars or houses. But you've got to sort of say this has, and I call it an intrinsic worth. It's always going to be desirable. Someone is always going to want that car, that house, that watch, because it's special by virtue of its age or its model or its Irreplaceable. Completely. Yeah. And if I tried to buy another house in that muse now, I'd be looking at two to three million. Mm. So you've done amazingly well. And it, again, no, uh, no capital gains tax, which is uh, a nice place that's to true, be. That's true. But then yeah. again, you see, you sell it and then what do you replace it with? Yeah. This is well, my problem. I never sell the stuff. I've got, I you know. <laughs> I'm into that game now. Look, I'm, I'm on the same page. I'm, you know, I'm sort of buying watches, um, buying, buying, buying quite a few different sort of investment assets, which I can touch and feel most of them these days um, because I, I tend to enjoy them as well as as, as well as sort of get you know monetary gain out of them but um, I, I, I tend to not want to sell them because when you bought the right thing actually you and don't really want to get out and of it's it. going to go down yeah. that's the thing and my life is is punctuated by all these things I've sold and I just wish I had <laughs> I know I, I do that I drive I walk up and down streets here and I look at all the houses we've sold over the years and I look at the price yep. now and it winds me up. I know. Yeah. One of the greatest regrets was mm. I bought this mm. number plate A13, which was the 13th number plate ever issued in 1903 from a bloke at uh, the Grosvenor Hotel who was having a messy divorce and I gave him 15 grand and um, put it on my car and then three years later somebody offers me 35,000 mm. pounds. So I think, oh, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll take the profit. Um, then a year later, I'm on a petrol station uh, on the Bayswater Road, the Shell Garage, uh, filling up my car, and in comes this Bentley with A13 on it. And I say to the bloke, ah, oh, I used to own that plate. Oh, it's lovely. It looks really good. He said, yeah, I got it really, really cheaply. I paid 100 grand for it. <laughs> you know? Uh, but it's not that... that Did you tell him what you paid for it? No, no. <laughs> yeah, we just had a nice, nice conversation. But that would probably be worth £200,000. Yeah. So that's the really important thing. If you can afford to keep these assets, mm. keep them, because they will never go down, because they are and it's your word, irreplaceable. Mm. Okay, so I also noticed recently that you mentioned uh, a sort of BMW 523 SE Auto, yep. 99 plate. So I remember stuff like that. That, that, that was, I was 19 at the time. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. 
we are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. You know, for me, that was something I couldn't afford, but I really wanted. Um, but also, I, I realised that, you know, as soon as, you, as soon as you got them, plenty of money came out of them. They were probably worth, I don't know, 25% less as soon as you bought them. Uh, and, it, and it went through Anglia car auctions at, at, at 4,100 in January. And you made the comment that we'll, we'll, we'll probably be kicking ourselves about that price next year. Now, to me, sort of 10 years ago, you know, it's four grand this year. Well, next year it might be 3,800 quid. Yeah, you're not going to lose much money, but it won't be going up. Things have changed. And you touched on it earlier with, you know, sort of ISAs, you know, people are not putting, clearly they're not going to get much interest out of the bank. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe they don't want to go into the stock market because they, I don't know, they feel like the returns aren't very good or it's riskier or whatever, but we are fundamentally in a different place in terms of the car market. What, what is at the root of that? It's assets you can touch, um, physical assets, and, and people feel much more reassured about these things that they can put in the garage and enjoy. There's nothing better than having something that goes up in value that you can go out on an afternoon like today and drive around and bask in admiring glasses. So it's a, it's a really interesting market that's grown and grown and grown and has become mainstream. It's not just speculators, investors and dealers. It's ordinary people like our, our bloke with the, the, the Corsair who's out with his wife on a Sunday afternoon in a car that's making him money <laughs> and, and making him smile mm. and making other people smile. Yeah. So that's what's happened. And you take your BMW, um, 530, 35 or 525 in Anglia car auctions. That was a, a kind of 40,000 mile car. You've got to remember too, the su survival rate of cars like that, those BMWs from yeah. the 80s and 90s, is declining all the time. So mm. if you do come across one in a local paper or um, online and it looks nice and somebody's looked after it, that's an endangered species. Mm. So that becomes a rare and irreplaceable thing. And then you just buy it because it will go up. And there's a lovely website that says, um, that tells you how many left. You put in how many left, really? and it's got all the cars that mm. are registered on the DVLA website. So you put in BMW 535. I'm just writing that down. Um, yeah. And it'll tell you there are 17 registered in the UK. But really? So suddenly you know that you've got something that's mm. rare and irreplaceable. So we're back to that thing that's worth putting money into. Yeah. And I suppose there's this sort of, um, there's a bit of bias from the likes of me and, and, and a few of those around me. I mean, you know, I'm nearly 40 now and uh, I, I, the stuff that I remember or the stuff I used to asp aspire to own uh, when I was sort of 20 um, didn't go up in value. Um, but maybe the stuff that I didn't really understand that was 30 years older sort of did go up in value more because it was more of an endangered species. And it, it probably... It, it, it depends what generation you come from. And, and, and It's about fashion too. Yeah. Um, who would have thought that a Fiesta XR2 that was the default <laughs> boy racer Essex car would now be making a nice one, £15,000 mm. and sometimes £20,000. Get your pounds. head around it. I yeah. know, yeah. but I saw one um, on eBay the other day, 50,000 miles from new, two lady owners, 
needed a smarten up three and a half grand. Mm. Now, for somebody to take that, um, really, you know, sympathetically restore it and recommission it and put it through an auction, you'll get £10,000. So this isn't the point that it's about opportunities and you've got to know that fashion, all this 80s and 90s stuff is coming back in, Mercedes Cosworth, things like that, BMW 6 Series, 5 Series, 3 Series. Um, and it's easy and it's accessible. Um, and if you don't just want to drive it and, and, and have it for free, then think about just using these things as profit opportunities. So if you could sort of pick any sort of model, someone's got £20,000, you've, you've mentioned a couple of them there, but you, you clearly think something is relatively unloved at the moment or not as loved as it should be. What, where, what direction would you be headed in, in terms of sort of brand or model? Mercedes uh, are, are, are good at the moment. So you look at um, some of those old Mercedes SLs, uh, the, the R129s from the, the 90s. I mean, you can buy a 30, 40,000 mile 500 SL for 10,000 um, pounds. And somebody spent a whole shed load of money keeping it serviced. If it's got a main agent service history, a Mercedes Benz service history, that's got a huge value. R129. Yeah, R129. Yeah. Um, uh, that's sort of a millennium, 2000 sort that's of, right, yeah. That's right, that's right. And they're, they're not widely appreciated and understood. Everybody likes the earlier ones, the Bobby like, Ewing ones with the dimple yeah, on the roof. Yeah, and I love the Pagoda, which yeah, we'll which, talk about in a minute. gone mental, although yeah. they have fallen back. Uh, yeah. And when, when the market falls back, that's an interesting point, Mark, it's time to steam in because stuff will go up again. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it's got this, not volatility, but it's yeah. just got these peaks and troughs mm. at the moment. And, and we're seeing some people go through a bit of financial hardship at the moment, and they'll be putting cars onto the market. And if you've got the cash, it's worth just pouncing. So you're, you're thinking stuff stuff like that. I mean, what, what sort of money can you get an R129 for? Are they sort of for five to 10, that sort the, of range? The, the five grand days have gone, and you yeah. used to be able to. Yeah. Um, a nice one, 10. 10, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I like them, um, and I was looking at one the other day, actually. Um, to me, it was, if you buy a, mod a modern Mercedes or, or a new Mercedes now, they are mm. relatively plasticky and they're not that much different really to a, a BMW or an Audi and, and a bit better than a, a Ford inside maybe. But I got into a friend's, um, just the one after the Pagoda. Um, I'm trying to W107. Yeah, it yeah. was a B plate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and actually it's very solid and feels great, clunks and... and, and Comes from an era where these cars, the, their strap yeah. line was engineered like no other car. Mm. And it really was. It's and the panels true. looked like they were bent at right angles yeah. you know, to make yeah. them look really, really solid. Yeah. And those cars are great. Yeah. Um, talking of uh, investments and what to buy, I remember being in France with my wife, south of France, and. I walked past this garage and there was this lovely 1971 350 SL, like the one you're talking about, the 107, and um, done, I don't know, 20,000 miles from new and French registered left-hand drive, so really lovely car, and it was 8,000 euros. Mm. I remember thinking, that's nice, that's Cheap. good value. We then go to a gallery and we buy a picture there for 15,000 euros, not really knowing enough about it, mm. um, and the picture is still on my wall, still worth 15,000 euros, mm. and the Mercedes is probably worth 35, 40. Yeah. So again, I should have done- Trusted your instinct. Completely, yeah. and my knowledge, instead yeah. of wool gathering off, buying a picture that I didn't know anything about. Yeah. Maybe you were guided by somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't, I won't I know, elaborate. Let's, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay, so uh, you, you've got there the, the, the R129. Um, I Clearly, I, I've been looking for a Pagoda for, for some time. Um, I, I still feel like I don't know enough. Yeah, um, that's good. And, you know, for me, knowing enough is getting a bit anal about something probably for two years. Um, and then eventually I start to, when I talk to enough people who seem to know about Pagodas and when I know a couple of things more than them, I, I suddenly feel yeah. like I'm sort of getting there. Right-hand drive. 280SL, automatic, um, and remember it's much cheaper to buy one that's either beautifully original and mint or has been painstakingly restored than to buy a shed and try and do it up. Get someone to have paid the bills for you because with these restorations of these old Mercs now, you can do 150 grand restoring a pagoda easily. <laughs> so if and, and none of that, well, and you wouldn't spend any more than a fully... I mean, what, you, you, a really, oh, really nice one, you wouldn't even get to that level. No, so, 80, yeah. 90 at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then there's a time on opportunity cost as well, of all yeah. that running around and organising the restoration. So buy the best yeah. you can yeah. with all the provenance and all the history. And there are cars out there. And then sit on that and then you will get a lovely return as well as having a lovely life in your Pagoda Merc. So you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't sort of go 230, 250, um, I don't know, left-hand drive or, or, or a California spec or whatever. And... If you're going to do it, do it properly. Yeah, you know, you and, and the difference is they're probably only going to be twenty, thirty thousand pounds. Yeah, everybody wants these lovely right-hand drive cars that you can trace the history of. They've been in the UK, whereas a, a Californian car, Americans aren't very good with history. It's very yeah. difficult to trace it through the DMV Department uh, of Motor Vehicles. Whereas if you're here, you can you can get the list of previous keepers from the DVLA. You can write to them. You can put the registration number into Google and you know photographs pop up and it, and you can build that history because with these old cars history's everything adds 20 mm. percent i mean I, I am looking at a, a rolls royce which uh, it's an old silver cloud 1957 which was one of the very first prototype well the first prototype long wheelbase cloud and nobody kind of really knows about this and it's 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 in all the books and on the websites and everything but nobody's kind of put this information together to establish mm. that this is one in the world Mm. And it's it's on sale, and I, I know I can get the price down. And I know that if I don't buy that in 10 years, I will look back and say, I wish I bought that Rolls. Mm. You know? So, you know, but the, the thing is, what's lovely about this is that you can just enjoy yourself, tinker around with these old cars, and either, you know, own them for free or make money. And mm. for me, it's, it, it, it's, it's one of the nicest part of my life. Just, I've got a Rolls Royce Corniche convertible that I bought at an auction a couple of years ago, um, and it was owned by Khashoggi, the billionaire. Nobody knew this. And I looked in the service book and there is the name, Khashoggi. And I happened to know that he was the richest man in the world in 1974 with four mm. billion quid. So I thought, to own Khashoggi's car, I've got to have it. So, you know, <laughs> that's great. And, and now you've exposed that and you can, you can well, sort yeah, of the create the history. Well, yeah, probably worth 100 grand. Yeah, brilliant. Know. And what did you give for it? 25. Yeah, marvellous. <laughs> Superb. But I, mean, I don't want to sound too clever. Anybody no, can no, do no. this yeah, yeah. as long as you do the research and yeah. know your stuff. And I'm sad because I've got 30 years of car magazines in my office all bound in leather and I can go to Motorsport <laughs> in 1976 and look at all the adverts and, and find all this stuff. But things like Google are really, really good because you can just sometimes put a registration number into the search yeah, engine. Pops in. And ping, a little photograph of it being in the Persuaders or the Saint or in an 007 film can really make a car hugely, hugely valuable. Mm. I, I, went to, uh, I went to Nice a couple of months ago for a, a big property event, it's called Mipim, um, and all the developers go and um, I thought, um, 
I thought what I'll do, I'll, I'll hire myself a pagoda so I can sort of give it a go up and down and take it up and yeah. down the croissette, you know, along all the promenades. Um, and they didn't, they didn't actually have it available, uh, but they had a 190 SL, the sort of yeah, the, 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 the gull wing, yeah, little sister of the gull wing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I had that, I had that for a week and I just cruised up and down and it, it was marvellous. Um, but they'd, they'd, they'd hired the pagoda out and I went online and I started having a look at, at the pictures. And then I put the, the registration number in and Piers Brosnan had done a photo shoot with their pagoda. And when I got back, it was sitting there and I, I sort of started to talk to him. Oh, yeah, this is that pagoda, you know, and whatever. And, and, and I just thought that that must have oh, yeah. added. That'll add yeah. value to it. Yeah. It was, uh, and if you find it's just these nuggets of information that can make mm. something special and different from everything else. So it's it's such fun. I mean, you know, fancy doing this, and making money out of it. Irreplaceable. Driving yeah. pagoda mercs and yeah, yeah. France. So, but I'm but I'm sort of getting the feeling that you're thinking that that ship might have sailed, and you might be better with something a little bit newer, maybe at ten grand, R one two nine, right? Or maybe even maybe not the Bobby Ewing, but maybe the one slightly before that. I've forgotten the number. The sort of early eighties version that that are more like. I don't know, 15, 20 grand. Yeah, they, they, they've peaked, and I think they're probably going down. I mean, they, they which ones? W107s. So yeah. it, 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 in the, the opening credits of Heart to Heart and Dallas, yeah. uh, Bobby Ewing would drive yes. this, 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 this W107 yeah. um, uh, up and down. And, and they went, well, some of them went to £100,000 for yeah. really, really low mileage cars. Yeah. They've fallen back, but they're perennials. They'll yeah. always be valuable, always yeah. be desirable, because yeah. it is what it is. It's just a sexy... Um, Merc made in an era where they were lovely, and also the thing about those cars is they had little back seat. Yeah. Whereas the new ones don't have a back seat mm. at all, and that's why new SLs you hardly see any of them because a they're not very pretty, they're quite bland, and they've lost that back seat. Well, it's not practical. You know, no. I've got a 911 that I use as my daily driver, a modern one, and um, yeah, I can't put people in the back, you know, on a, a daily basis. But if I get stuck and someone needs to come, then. They just put the, 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 yep. the, 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 their feet over the transmission and uh, and it's all fine. But there's there's none of that with an SL, and that's why I didn't buy that's one. Right. That's yeah. right. It is totally practical. And same with the, the little SLK as well. They're great little cars. But if you've got an SLK and a toothbrush, you've got a problem because you've mm. got nowhere to put the toothbrush. Yeah, a little bit like that California spec um, Pagoda with, with no, no soft top. Um, yeah, yeah, you'd need that. You have a hard top only, only. You so you get off. caught out yeah. in the rain, uh, which is not good. Um, and I've learned that one. So Aston's look great, and I know that you've sort of written quite a bit about the Rapide. Uh, that's the four-door version? That's the four-door version yeah. that was, was made uh, alongside the DB4 and DB5, yeah. um, which was a kind of family man's Aston. And, and people have never fallen in love with it because of the James Bond connection with the DB5, and everybody wants a DB5. And just unbelievable market, that. Mm. It's gone Totally nuts. I mean, I was talking to a man the other day who, who, who poured a million pounds into restoring a DB4. DB4. I know. Mm. And you wonder whether there's ever going to be a return on that, but the, the prices of Aston's, it's relentless. I mean, they pause for breath and then they carry on rising. I mean, and if you want a nice DB5, you're still looking at six to seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. So I'm saying, look at the Rapide, which was made in the, in the same time and had uh, more mechanical sophistications. It's not obviously as pretty, but it was uh, more expensive than the DB5 um, and was yeah. owned by people like the Rothschilds and the Cartier family and the Guinness family. Um, and is, you know, I think they, they made, I can't remember, but maybe 200. And there are 
you know, a, a, a tiny handful left in the world. So again, rare, special, made in limited numbers, slightly left of field, slightly unusual. That car's never going to go down in value. That quirky thing, that, that sort of yep. left field, um, you know, something that, that, that everybody isn't sort of latched onto yet. That's got to be where you want to be. It is. Surely. You, I think you've got to be careful, though, that what you like yeah. may not be what the market likes. And, and, and they need to like it. If they don't like it now, they yeah. may not like it in the future. They probably won't. Well, so you've sort of... Yeah. So it's a balancing act. Yeah. And you mustn't, you know, I always say never take a risk that could ruin you. Mm. So, you know, don't ever pay huge amounts of money for a car like that but buy it in the certain knowledge that there's only 48 left in the world or whatever it is um and that it's not going to go down in value and it is special and you know eventually they will come they come will come around. around and people will say well i can't pay a million pounds for a db5 yeah. but i will pay two hundred fifty thousand pounds for a rapid a rapid yeah i something else you've you've touched on a couple of times there i mean generally with, with property you know you'll you'll develop it and you add value and Yes, there are different markets around the country, like the, the one that you just mentioned in, in, in the area that you, you bought within central London. But generally speaking, they, they tend to sort of go up and down together, a little bit like a boat. And, you know, as the, as the, as the tide goes yeah. up, all the boats go up and they come down. It heaves now, and sighs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, with, with, with classic cars, of course, that exists. And, 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 and you know, there is a... a you know, the market goes up and pulls everything up with it and, and, and sort of goes down. But I'm getting the feeling there are more sort of, you know, if you look at a specific model, you'll get one model going up and another model going down. Um, that happens a lot less in property. OK, at the moment, the north of England, you know, that that's at the top of the roller coaster. It's just about, to, well, well, it's, it's, it's on its way up to the top of the roller coaster. Um, whereas Mayfair got to the top of the roller coaster three years ago, yeah. and 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 the, the Mayfair sort of I don't know whether it's halfway or three quarters of the way down the other side, yeah. whereas the north of England is still rising because it's that much further behind. Now this is a, a sort of different phenomenon. It's about fashion, and, you know, and and and. and an opportunity, though. You look at a property in Bradford that is a tenth of the price of a property in London, and you say there's value there because I could still rent it. And I think the same is true with classic cars in the sense that you look at a Porsche Turbo that's now £150,000, and then you look at a Porsche 944 Turbo that's £20,000. Front engine, VW. Yeah, yeah. Largely yeah. the same kind of levels of performance. Yeah. And you think there's value there because it hasn't gone up. Mm. And these peaks and troughs are really, really important. And if you can buy just when the thing is starting to move off, yeah. then you're okay. Because you've, you've, you've owned it for the shortest period of time. You haven't got to wait. That's right. Time, time cost, value of money, or IRR. The, yeah. the, the, you know, when, you, when you pit it against time, you're going to get the, the, the best sort of return if it's, if it's started to turn already. And then it's knowing, I mean, if you take the Porsche Turbo, the 944 Turbo, if you look at a convertible right-hand drive Porsche 944 Turbo, they only made 100 of those. Mm. I find that out. Interesting, yeah. Find that out, find yeah. a good one. And I, I did this, I bought one 25,000 miles, still with the plastic covers on the doors, still with the plastic things on the carpets. And I don't know, I think I gave the man 35 grand um, and sold it for 65. Brilliant, yeah. In a, in a day. Did you? <laughs> In a day. Super. Because of that yeah. one number, 100 cars. Mm. And I'm thinking, this is going to be the, the lowest mileage survivor right-hand drive in, in the country, so it's got to be worth 35. But the seller didn't know it was only one of 100. Yeah. So again, you go back to that central thing that predicates all this knowledge. Mm. 
bit like finding a, you know, if I, if I go into town and I find a property and there's some land with it, and usually my favourite little trick is the sellers try to get planning permission or they think they can get X, Y and Z because they've spoken to the planners or they've tried and been rejected. Um, and uh, I kind of, because I'm in the, that area, because I've been scratching around in that area for 10 years, because I've probably put 20 planning applications in, in that area, um, I just sort of might know another little way of, 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 of getting a better consent, putting more on the site, getting more value from it, but I don't do that until I've, I've sort of bought it. And I think, um, yeah, it's about knowledge again. Knowledge and expertise as well, you know. So, Testarossas, they've gone up a lot. Yeah, um, but they've also gone down. Yeah, and they've come down. Another theme that we, we've touched on quite a bit here, and, and I, I certainly like it with property, when everybody is heading in a certain direction and they're, they're sort of all piling in, maybe 2007, that was the, 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 the sort of great example for me. They were all piling in, they were, they were buying, buying properties like crazy. Um, it, it somehow became very, um, I just sat on my hands. Um, overheated. And it became overheated and it became uh, just unappealing uh, because, because that's where the masses were moving. Clearly, we had a lot more than a, uh, you know, just a, a sort of correction. We had a big crash, but it sounds to me like there's been a little bit of a correction or a softening with the classic car values over the last couple of years. I quite like that. That that almost makes the market feel real. Yeah. Like you know, you can see where the the resistance is. Once you feel that resistance point, and you, you know, it's the, the values have been tested. You you don't feel like you're putting your money into something that's that's going to halve next week it leaves this sanity in the market and buyer resistance as well because mm. we got to the stage where and i remember the day when a, 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 a test rosser that i'd picked a couple of years ago on television on the classic car show we said buy a test rosser 35 grand you know this is a great car it's not fashionable at the moment because it, it looks all drug dealery miami vice but you know what a great car for 35 grand mm. and we drove one in california and everything and, and did the film and then they just went up and up and up and up and up and up and hit 200. And now they've fallen right, right back. So it, it, What sort of level are they at now? Um, you can buy them for under 100,000. Can you? Yeah. yeah. But they will start going back up. So yeah. when you see a market overheating like that, just walk away. Mm. Because, you know, there will be no bargains and, and people are overcooking it. Yeah. Um, and wait till the stuff falls back and then catch it again because Daytona's did that. Daytona's yeah. are a market barometer. Mm. They oh. were up at a million pounds, then they fell back to 500 and they're creeping back up. And yeah. I remember you, you could buy them for 100. Could uh, you? How long stage. ago? That was 2008. Oh, it's incredible, they, they isn't really it? crashed. Yeah. And yeah. now, you know, they are creeping back up. And if you could, I've, I've got a friend with a right-hand drive Daytona uh, uh, Coupe, lovely car, 35,000 miles. And he's been offered a million dollars for that car mm. because it's lovely and, and because Daytona's are an icon. And that's another thing about classic cars is some of them are just works of art. They are just pant-wettingly mm. lovely. And <laughs> I remember having yeah. a very early E-Type and I would go down in my pyjamas to the garage and sometimes just sit and look at them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it is so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And these things become like, like, like sculptures and things and they have that value as well. Everybody wants to own an E-Type because it's just the sexiest car ever made. So there'd be an enduring value there and, and, and yeah, probably completely. enduring price rises. And it's like your Georgian house with curbside appeal, mm. um, three-storey in central London. They, 
it, it, a friend of mine said the, the thing about central London and West End prices is they don't make the West End of London anymore. Mm. And it's true, yeah. you know. Irreplaceable, again, stuff that you can never buy, that can't, can't ever be supplanted by something else, will always hold its value, will always go up, and London will come back. So we go and buy a Testarossa. Yeah. Um, we need a cam belt change, engine out. Um, maintenance is pretty heavy, I, I assume. I've never owned one. Um, I've had modern Ferraris and mainly V8s. Um, but you know, is what if we if we were looking at the the, the sort of range here? We've got SLs, and we, we've talked about these Astons, and you know, onto Ferraris. What, what, what's sensible in terms of maintenance? What what is what is not so sensible? Uh, because surely that's part of the equation as well. It is, but you've got to make your decision whether you're going to flip this car and make profit for it or you're going to use it and drive it. Now, if you want to take a Testarossa and, and, and use it uh, and do 10,000 miles a year, and why not, wonderful, there's a cost to that. And it's about two to five thousand pounds every year in maintenance, because if you do need a cam belt change, then yeah, the engine has to come out. So that's the decision you make, but you may be able to cover all your costs by the fact that the car goes up in value. Mm. The trick is to buy one with the full service history that's been serviced quite recently so you don't have that big hit um, and use it sparingly. So it, 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 it's an asset in, this, in the sense that it goes up in value but it's also something you can enjoy. But don't expect to get into an old Ferrari or old Porsche or, or Maserati mm. or, or, or Merc and not have maintenance bills. And also make sure you've got a specialist who can do this stuff for you and who doesn't charge like a wounded rhino. Because you can take a Ferrari into some of these, these Ferrari specialists and get a bill for 10 grand. I remember taking my Corniche to a, a, a posh London garage in Chelsea for a service, mm. thinking, oh, it's going to be 1,500 quid, <laughs> yeah. five and a half yeah, grand. Yeah. You know, and that's when the whole equation falls to pieces yeah. because you're being overcharged. Mm. So again, it's knowing who can do... I mean, my, uh, the front spring on the Corniche fractured in the cold weather, so I had to get that replaced. I took it to QuickFit. And they did it for like two hundred pounds. Yeah. Which if I take it to a, a you know a plate glass yeah. you know garage, it would have been much much more. So again, knowing how to run these things, how to look after them, and, and getting someone close by who's a specialist is really important too. Yeah, I, I know with our um, <coughs> our four five eight Ferrari, it um, clearly there's a there's a, a sort of seven year service plan which it's all included, and we have the Ferrari warranty and everything. And of course, that drags you back to the Ferrari main dealer. But we cannot get out of that place without spending two thousand pounds, even if there's nothing bloody wrong with it. Um, whereas historically, you know, certainly with you know Ferrari we had before, I'd, I'd use a local Ferrari specialist. Um, way more reasonable, um, more user friendly, um, and um, probably do a better job. Actually, uh, I wouldn't say that about Porsche main agents, but I, yeah, just. That's well, that's the other experience. caveat, isn't yeah. it? You, you, you will spend money if you use these cars. Yeah. So uh, understand that. And the more complicated, the more exotic the car is, yeah. the more you'll have to spend. Um, so, you know, let, I, I don't want this to sound like it is just a complete bed of roses. There will be costs to driving that wonderful car around the place. But I guess if you go and get, oh, I don't know, an, an SL, or maybe you get a, an S-Class Merc, or or maybe, maybe the, one of these sort of BMWs, or... Um, I'm presuming the maintenance would be quite different from yeah, yeah. Uh, a Testarossa. Oh, completely. If you've got, say, a 635 BMW, a 635 CSI, um, you can get away with, if you found a, a good independent specialist, maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred quid a year. Yeah. Um, and a 323i, 
even less. Yeah. Um, but it's choosing the right car in the first place. And if you're in any doubt, make sure that you either take somebody with you or you get it inspected and, 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 and know what you're doing. But the, the nice cars have service books with lots of rubber stamps in them and lots of signs of diligent maintenance. I'm obsessive about this. If a bloke or, 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 or a woman has, has put together a huge pile of invoices, mm. all clipped together neatly in a file and mm. stamped up the service history um, and kept all the old MOTs, they are going to have cared for that car and driven it much more sympathetically than somebody who presents it with just a copy of the logbook. Yeah. You know, service history, documentation, provenance is everything. And the cars with the shoe boxes full of bills and things, they're great. Yeah. You can see what's happened. It, it tells the story and, and, yeah. and just the, the, the past right. is the best guide to the future. And when you find your Pagoda Merc, I want it to be one of those lovely cars with that continuous day one <laughs> history. Quentin, your 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 comments will be ringing in my ears, and I will um, I will I will absolutely. Um, but you're on the right track. I mean, that's yeah. that's a car that's undervalued now, and will go back because it's an icon. You think it will? It's a good yeah. time to buy. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. buy the best you can. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the 280, and uh, and and I'll look for a right hooker as well after after your comments. Automatic as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, they're a lot easier as well, aren't they? Well, it's just a nice yeah. car to blast around yeah. in with your arm out the window. That's oh, the whole thing. I mean, it? that's got to be the main reason for buying. You've got to love it. Yeah. And yeah. and I just look at that car and I love the way it yeah. looks. Yeah. So um, even if yeah, even if it doesn't go up that much, I, I won't feel too hard done by. And the the final one is just storage. Um, I know, you know, when when you're sort of if you've got one or two cars, you just keep them in the garage, but. Um, how important is it to, to, to keep these dry and sort of in a... Uh, I know you, ru you run a warranty company, don't you? Um, or you own a warranty company. Um, I don't know if you, you, you sort of ensure the, the, the maintenance or things going wrong on a, on a classic car, but you, this must be a big part of it. You've got to look after a classic car. If you haven't got a garage, then you need to think twice because you're going to have to put the car into storage. It is no good putting it under a, a tarpaulin outside because mm. it'll sweat and it'll rust and the paint will micro blister and things like that. So if you haven't got the garage, think twice because old cars need much more kind of protection than new cars because they weren't as, as rust resistant. So there are places that, that store cars for you, but again, there's a cost and sometimes it can be as much as two or 300 quid a month just to have your car in storage. And some people are prepared to pay that. And I think there's a huge business in that for mm. classic car storage. If you've got commercial premises uh, in, a, in, a, in an urban location and, and you, you, you have this, this storage facility, I'm sure there's money to be made there. But don't have any illusions. If you haven't got a garage that's dry and room you know, for you to, to do stuff to the car, don't think about it because it'll just deteriorate. Quentin, it's been uh, enlightening to say the least. Uh, thank you for coming on Pleasure. the podcast. I uh, really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot myself. Um, and, and, and I, I just don't want to sound the, the glib about this, but it is, it's a great thing to be able to do, to find old cars at sensible money, enjoy them and then own them and then sell them for what you paid or more. Mm. I mean, what could be there, better? There, there is we, nothing better. We are better. blessed at the moment. <laughs> so go out there yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah, I will do. Quentin, thank you. Pleasure. It's been Mark Homer for Mark My Words.